Hello and welcome in everybody to another edition of Connor and Coverage. We do this every Tuesday night here uh, on DogNation.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're watching, if you're listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Talking the latest in Georgia football and we're talking about the playoff rankings that just came out, what it means, what Georgia's sort of path to the playoffs sort of looks like going forward. We're going to talk about a quarterback. We're not going to talk about the quarterback situation. We're going to talk a little bit about Brock Vandergriff tonight. I think this was probably a pretty good week to get some intel on him and where things stand with him as far as he goes out and develops this season. Obviously, he's not going to play uh, a whole lot. He is redshirting this year. But I think given the opponent this weekend, I think there's a good chance we maybe see him, how many passes we th- he throws. I'm not certain. But we, we got some good updates on where Brock Vandergriff is in terms of his development. Obviously, also a little bit on Carson Beck there as well, a quarterback we haven't seen a whole lot of. Some injury updates uh, that Kirby Smart provided tonight as far as where things stand with Kendall Milton, George Pickens, Dominic Blaylock, other guys, Devontae Wyatt, who we got to talk to. Clearly, he is fine. So there was a rib issue on Saturday that kept bothering him and, and kept forcing him to go down. And obviously, when you have rib issues, it makes it difficult to breathe, I will note. I thought Georgia maybe skillfully or masterfully did a good job of slowing down that, that Tennessee offense with some of the injuries and they weren't so obviously faking them, but it was still a little dubious the rate at which guys were going down there. So I found that to be a little bit curious and it's all gamesmanship at this point in time with the way these offenses move. So I thought that was sort of an interesting sort of wrinkle that you see as opposed to teams like Notre Dame comes to mind in 2019. them just straight flopping onto the ground. Ole Miss, I believe has had it happen to them a few times this year as well. So We'll cover all that, and then obviously we're going to answer your guys' questions. Georgia plays Charleston Southern this week, so not a whole lot of insight into the opponent and what Georgia looked like there. It should be a big win. Georgia should win both of its last two regular season games. They play Georgia Tech next week. And as of right now, we still don't know who's going to represent the SEC West in Atlanta, though, with the way things shake out this week. Alabama plays Arkansas. They'll be favored to win that, and if they somehow lose that, they'll, I think, going to beat an Auburn team that is now without Bo Nix and – you wonder about the kind of injury and impact that that loss has for there, but I'm sure we'll get questions on George Alabama and how they match up going forward as well. So thank you everyone for tuning in again. My name is Connor Riley. This is Connor and coverage. You do this every Tuesday night. And so without further ado, let's talk about the latest news, Georgia. Once again, the number one team in the college football playoff rankings, no surprise. They have been there for all three a ranking reveal so far. No change in the top seven this week. You still have Alabama at two, Oregon at three, Ohio State at four, Cincinnati at five, Michigan at six, and Michigan State at seven. So Georgia pretty clearly still the number one team in the country. No, no surprises there. I would note that while Georgia plays Charleston Southern this week, a very winnable game for the Bulldogs, the other top four playoff teams, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, all play ranked teams. Michigan and Michigan State goes to Columbus. Michigan State, the number seven team in the college football playoff rankings, take on number four, Ohio State. Ohio State is a huge favorite in that game, and I think most of us expect them to win just given the talent edge that you see there. But most people expected Michigan to beat Michigan State earlier this season, and we all saw how that played out there. I think Oregon's in real trouble this week against a Utah team that is physical, that is going to be able to match the physicality that Oregon plays. And I still have some questions about what they're able to do on offense. And I think this game at Utah in Salt Lake City is going to answer a lot of those questions. And as mentioned a few moments ago, Alabama goes uh, plays at home against an Arkansas team that we saw Georgia beat pretty handily earlier in the season. But this Arkansas team is a little bit more confident, winning some big games the last two weeks, beating Mississippi State, beating LSU, though close wins. Alabama obviously a favorite to win in that game, but I think it's going to be an interesting showcase 
for Sam Pittman's team there. And, and Georgia, obviously, still number one. Cincinnati, number five. Michigan, number six. They're going to go play Ohio State next week. Cincinnati plays SMU, the best team outside of Notre Dame on their regular season schedule. So I expect us to see so, some real playoff movement uh, in the rankings this time next week after seeing none at all this week. Top seven all stayed the same. Oklahoma dropping from number eight to number 13. And their path to the college football playoff looks pretty difficult with the way things are shaping up for them right now. And quite frankly, with the way they have played this season, uh, Baylor was just happened to be the first team capable of beating them. But I do think that, you know, the playoff is sort of solidifying a little bit. I think one team to keep an eye on here, Notre Dame at number eight. Now Notre Dame in and of itself cannot win its way into the college football playoff, but Notre Dame's schedule, they're not going to lose when they play Georgia tech and Stanford to close out the regular season. There, They're going to finish 11 and one. And, if some weird stuff happens above them, let's say Oregon loses, let's say uh, Wisconsin is able to win the Big Ten somehow, um, Cincinnati drops, Notre Dame is going to have a chance to find its way into the playoffs. And I'm sort of just stalling here to really get to the matter of fact, this Georgia team has been the number one team in the country for, I believe, six weeks now since uh, taking that spot in the AP and coaches poll. And they have shown total comfort being that team. They have no problem being the hunted. And obviously Charleston Southern isn't going to be the team that takes them down. But going back to last week, number one team on the road in Neyland stadium, trailing 10, seven at the end of the first quarter, they trailed by seven for the first time all year. And the response that you saw out of that team is why Georgia has been the clear cut number one team throughout this season. They have no problem and they know exactly what they are at this point in the season. They are at a bunch of butt kickers on defense and they have a very efficient offense. And I know not everyone might be happy with Stetson Bennett and the way he plays and what this offense could potentially be with JT Daniels, but it's hard to ignore the results. And in his two road games at Auburn at Tennessee, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, scored 30, 34 points against Auburn, 41 against Tennessee, really efficiently operating this offense. And yes, there are turnover-worthy plays that there weren't any against Tennessee and there weren't any against Auburn. There were a few plays that he could have made that probably he should have made. Obviously, the pass to Brock Bauer should have been for a touchdown. But he also makes two or three plays in a game that are going to win you games. The two touchdowns that he had were really big plays. A couple of those third-down conversions he had in the two-minute drive there were big for Stetson. So this Georgia team has shown the utmost comfort and the utmost confidence playing with the number one team. And with actually the way this season has gone and Alabama struggling against LSU, losing to Texas A&M, they're going to be playing three straight SEC games before playing Georgia in the SEC championship game. And I'm telling you right now, Georgia's going to be favored going into that SEC championship game, something I don't believe they've ever had, maybe going back to 2005 or 2002. 2002, they were probably favored against Arkansas that day. But other than that, I can't recall a time where Georgia was a favorite in the SEC championship game. Certainly not in 11, 12, uh, 17, and maybe in 17 against Auburn. But this Georgia team is going to be a favorite. And what we've seen so far out of them, this team is very comfortable being that, being the best team in the country. And so we talked to Kirby Smart tonight, and I asked him, how did he think he is ha- his team has handled the number one ranking? And I thought his his answer was very telling. Uh, I think early early on, it was like, I don't know if you – I think guys tried to – people tried to make it a distraction in the media and questions and stuff, but it's really just gone away because we – I mean, not, not that I know of, it hasn't affected anything. Because our guys have managed it, they they practiced hard. They've been physical. They've locked into the opponents. So, I mean, to be honest with you, I hadn't even thought about it since the questions y'all asked several weeks ago. Yeah, and so that's where you hear Kirby Smart saying, "Play to a standard." Well, that standard shows up every week 
when Georgia goes out there and wins as convincingly as they have. It's the first time they've ever gone unbeaten in SEC regular season play since the conference expanded to eight conference games back in 1992. And this is a team that looks more and more comfortable with what with itself each and every week. And the and again, people said Tennessee was going to be a legitimate test. Auburn, Kentucky, they've aced all of those. They won all of those games by at least three scores, 17 points, the smallest margin of, of victory for Georgia in SEC play so far. And so obviously we have the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Jordan Davis was sort of asked, you know, a general question about Cincinnati. And I thought his answer here was really telling because there's obviously a very real world where Alabama does somehow beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. But with the way the rest of the season is played and the way that Georgia has played to its standard throughout the course of the regular season, it's going to be real hard to keep Georgia out of the playoff. And I think Davis's answer here, when even asked something completely different about a different team, I think speaks to the singular mindset you see from Georgia right now and the way that they are going out and playing each and every single week. As long as we're in the playoffs, that's all that matters to us. We're just trying to play for our spot. You know, it doesn't matter who pans out, but you want to make sure that we are in that spot at the end of the day. Yeah, so apologize for the audio quality there, but this Georgia team knows what it's playing for. It knows that these next two weeks, these next three weeks, and including the SEC championship game, it's playing for its playoff live. And while, yes, everything that they have done in the past has been great so far this season, exceeded the even high expectations I think many of us had in the preseason for Georgia, but they know these next three weeks are going to determine their season, and so they have to go out there and take care of business against Charleston Southern, against Georgia Tech, and then most likely against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Because, again, this team understands this better than anybody because a lot of these guys have, you know, they, they were on the team in 2018 when they had nearly lost to Alabama. They were on the field in 2019 against LSU, seeing a team that won the national title. They lost to Alabama last year, a national title winner. They have seen national title winners and know what it takes to, to beat them and to play at that level. And I think this team is motivated by that. And you're going to see that certainly show up in the next two weeks. And I think that Alabama game, I think that's the chance to make the statement of all statements for this program. And I think this defense understands it. This offense understands it. Kirby Smart most especially understands it. And sure, this Alabama team isn't as great as it has been in years past, but they're still the defending champions. They're going to be go, probably going into that game against Georgia with the number two playoff ranking, which they are currently holding as of right now. Maybe Ohio State jumps them if they beat Michigan State and Michigan in back-to-back weeks. But that Georgia team knows, beat Alabama, you further make a statement, you further cement yourself as one of the great teams of all time, and you further make your life easier in terms of winning a national title because I think it's going to be hard for a two-loss non-SEC champion Alabama to get into the college football playoff, given Cincinnati's looked like it's continued to win, given that Notre Dame has found ways to continue to win. So I think the way this season is shaping up, I think this Georgia team knows that it can make a statement against Alabama and will look to do so on December 4th in Atlanta. So that's our first topic there for tonight, breaking down the latest college football playoff rankings. One thing I did want to note, assuming Alabama beats Arkansas this weekend, Georgia will very likely enter that game against Alabama in the SEC championship game without a win over a top 25 team in the college football playoff rankings. Now, I don't put a whole lot of faith into that because Georgia has so thoroughly dominated every team on its schedule. It hasn't mattered. And they've picked up wins over winning programs. Arkansas is going to go to a bowl game. Kentucky's probably going to finish with nine wins. Auburn, prior to losing Bo Nix, was pretty clearly a very solid football team and one deserving 
of being ranked. I think Clemson, you know, for as much as they struggled this year, if they're able to beat Wake Forest this weekend, they've still got a chance to finish with nine and maybe even get to 10 wins there. So they've pretty clearly beaten good teams throughout the season. I think it's just interesting if you're, if you follow the chatter and say, Oh, how really good is Georgia? You might hear some national media members wonder two weeks from now, just given the way that the Georgia schedule might potentially look following the end of the regular season. So that's our little playoff talk playoff update right there for you moving on we're going to talk quarterbacks but we're not going to talk about Stetson Bennett I think Saturday showed you everything that you needed to see from where this quarterback position is it is Stetson's team right now he played every meaningful snap against Missouri he played every meaningful snap against Tennessee and and look obviously the Florida game he did show some leaky signs picked twice in that game was not perfect but he has bounced back very impressively against Missouri against uh, Tennessee this past weekend and sure there's always obviously going to be the question of can he do it against Alabama but with what we have seen from Stetson Bennett over the course of this season he has absolutely shown that he is going to be the guy to start that game against Alabama he has the utmost confidence and belief in his teammates they know this is his team there is not a whole lot of debate right now about at least within the within the confines of the Georgia football facility of who should be starting. It is Stetson Bennett. I think Saturday made that crystal clear to anyone watching. And while people might want to see JT Daniels out there, and let's be honest, we could very well see that if Stetson were to struggle against Alabama. I don't think Kirby would have any trepidation in putting JT Daniels in there. I think he likes what he has seen from Daniels. But again, Daniels missed a ton of practice time. And even if you were the biggest JT Daniels fan, you'd have to admit he looked rusty against Missouri, against a bad Missouri defense. And so he's going to work his way back. And really, I think he's going to play this week. I think he's going to play next week. And I think that'll be interesting to sort of see where GAT Daniels is. I'm sure there are people out there that want to manufacture a further quarterback controversy. But as it stands right now, there really isn't one with this Georgia team. It's very clear that it is Stetson Bennett. So that's why tonight we're going to talk about Brock Vandergriff. Uh, For the uninitiated, Brock Vandergriff was the number, I believe, 12 overall player in the 2021 recruiting cycle. He was Georgia's five-star quarterback. I would point out that of Lincoln Riley, he was originally, Brock Vandegrift originally committed to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley had his pick of quarterbacks in the 2021 recruiting class. Could have had anybody. And he first went with Brock Vandegrift. Grant Vandegrift ultimately decommits, commits to Georgia shortly after, wants to play closer to home, be closer. He is from Bogart, Georgia, played at Prince Avenue Christian Academy, won a state championship last year and looked very impressive in doing so. And there's a pretty stout quarterback room, as we've seen this year. Obviously, people were sky high on JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett has proved to be a very capable SEC quarterback. Carson Beck is a lot of people, is a guy a lot of people were interested in seeing the steps that he made. And so because of that, we haven't really seen or heard a lot about Brock Vandergriff this year. And so given Charleston Southern, it's his best chance to play all year. He did play against UAB, but he has not yet thrown a pass. This is a good week to sort of find out how is Brock Vandergriff progressing? Because I have long maintained, I believe he is the future of the quarterback position for Georgia. And it's a, st- it's a topic for another show in terms of what Georgia does at quarterback in 2022, whether JT and Stetson come back. But I think long-term Brock is a guy who especially you see the athleticism that Stetson Bennett displays. Brock Vandergriff has that plus 10. And so because of that, I think that's something that really intrigues Kirby Smart and wants to incorporate into his offense going forward. And I think that plays well into Brock Vandergriff's skill set. And so obviously, you know, freshman quarterbacks, sure, while Caleb Williams looked great at times, he did not look great at all on the road against Baylor this past weekend. And so I think 
it's interesting to hear and, and find out what we know about Brock Vandegrift and where he is in his development. They were always going to take this year slow with him, and barring a catastrophe, he was never really expected to see the field. He is going to end up redshirting. He has only played in one game so far. And so I think Kirby Smart had some interesting and where he is, and he did touch on Carson Beck here as well, them. But I'd like to focus a little bit more on Vandergrift, given I think we've seen enough out of Carson Beck to have a more educated opinion on him. He did play in that UAB game, did play in the Vanderbilt game, and threw passes in those games. Pretty smart talking of Carson Beck as well in terms of where they are in their development. I've seen Brock a lot up close because he's been the scout team uh, quarterback. You know, he's simulated a lot of the he's got had, um, really athletic throws on the run, uh, very accurate, um, competitive. You know, he, he, he likes going against that defense each day. He doesn't always have the best protection, but we're not hitting him either. Um, so he's done a really good job. Uh, Carson's continued to grow. You know, he, he hasn't had as many reps. Uh, as he had before, you know, before he was working with the twos. And now his reps come through either mental reps, walkthrough reps, or threes reps, which we get some uh, in practice. So I've been very pleased with both of their developments. And to be honest with you, I got complete confidence in both those guys as quarterbacks because I think they're, they're really, uh, really talented players. Yeah, so I found it very interesting there. It, it sounds like Brock is is getting more reps and more chances at development than Carson Beck is at this point in time. And the reason I find that so interesting is just because uh, again, you know, Carson pretty clearly is not seeing a ton of the field and, and Brock Vandergriff's mobility is actually a big reason why as Kirby smart sort of outlined there, why Brock Vandergriff is getting so many of those scout team reps is because you look at some of the quarterbacks who are faced Hendon hooker, uh, Emory Jones, Will Levis. Those guys are mobile threats. And, and while Carson Beck is a good athlete, he is not the athlete that Brock Vandergriff is. And so those scout team reps, I think, are going to be very helpful for Brock come the spring when it's really going to be on him to, to sort of make strides. Now, I think it's fair to point out, we all thought we saw Carson Beck sort of make those strides in this spring. Looked like pretty clearly the number two guy. Uh, and, and Kirby Smart had said as much that he was the number two quarterback coming out of spring practice and eventually gets passed up by Stetson Bennett and went thrust into into playing time. Uh, Carson did not exactly excel against UAB, certainly in the same manner that Stetson Bennett did. And I'm not reading the comments right now because I'm sure there are people, well, what about Carson? What about Carson? But Brock Vandergriff, again, this is this this year was always going to be a, a learning year for him, sort of getting his feet under him, getting adjusted to the speed and strength of the college football game. And practicing against the Georgia defense every day, that's going to help you out a lot. And obviously Kirby Smart mentions there he's not taking hits, but I, I think the speed at which this Georgia defense plays with, if and when Brock Vandergriff does ultimately see the field for Georgia, he's going to be pretty well prepared compared to some of the other quarterbacks out there in the country who are working scout team trying to get their way onto the field. And we also we followed up with another player, Dan Jackson, who's gone against Vandergriff when Vandergriff has worked on the scout team. And again, this is probably the endorsement that you're looking for in terms of the skill set and talent that Vandergriff brings. And those scout team reps are going to continue to develop him and help him, I think, I believe, at one point get on the field and be Georgia's starting quarterback, potentially as early as next year, depending on how things shake out with Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. I'm seeing a lot from Brock. Uh, Brock has grown, I mean, a lot ever since he got here. Um, you know, he, he makes us better every single day, you know, giving, his, giving it his all on the scout team. Uh, you know, he, he, he's got the deep ball threat. You know, he's got the whole package. He can run. He can do it all. So, 
um, you know, it's, it's a blessing to have him out there for sure. So, yeah, you, you look at what this Georgia offense, at least under Stetson Bennett and, and JT Daniels has at times as well this year, it's an offense that wants to push the field vertically, which what offense doesn't. And I think we've really seen Kirby Smart go all in on, on the idea of having a mobile quarterback and having that help your offense out. And, you know, it's not fair to JT, given I think his mobility was sapped because of that devastating knee injury he had while in his time at USC. But watching that Tennessee game, it is so obvious how the mobility of Stetson Bennett really helps him and adds another layer to this Georgia offense. And I would point out, with Alabama bearing down, looking like it's going to be on a team on the schedule, uh, as much as we love N'Kobe Dean, as much as we love uh, Jordan Davis and believe that they should be celebrated, there's not a better defensive football player right now in college football than Will Anderson. That guy is a machine. Uh, Terminator, Predator, Alien, Whatever you turn, whatever horrifying sci-fi monster you want to use, that is what Will Anderson is doing. And if you have JT back there, who, it, because of the lack of his mobility, it, it's going to be difficult to try and move away from Anderson. Now, no one is going to escape Anderson, but that mobility and ability to move the pocket like Stetson Bennett is able to do so with his legs, I think that's going to be a decent way Georgia tries to go out and negate Will Anderson. Now, obviously... Georgia has to block Will Anderson because if they allow him to, he is absolutely capable of wrecking Georgia's game and Georgia's offense out there. And so that's really going to be on Jamari Sawyer and Warren McClendon that day. But that mobility, which Brock Vandegrift possesses, and I think is something you're going to see continue to be incorporated in this offense going forward. You look at a guy like Gunnar Stockton, who Georgia's bringing in in the 2022 class. He's not, he, I, he does not possess the straight line speed that I believe Vandegrift does. But he's a very capable running threat, a la Stetson Bennett, and has no problem moving with his legs there. So I think that's going to be something that as this Georgia offense continues to take shape over the years, whether the coordinator changes or not, I think that's going to be an important part of this offense going forward. And I think that's why you see sort of the praise and the stressing of the importance of Brock Vandegrift's mobility there. So I do think we see Vandegrift play on Saturday. I think they want to get him reps. Um, you know, if Georgia gets out to a quick start, I wouldn't be surprised if we see one quarter from Stetson Bennett, one quarter from JT Daniels, one quarter from Carson Beck, and one quarter from Brock Vandergriff. Obviously, Vandergriff and Beck, you would imagine, aren't going to throw the ball a ton, but I do think there's some value in getting those guys out there and getting them real reps, and you've heard players say as much over the years. So that's going to wrap it up for our talk on Brock Vandergriff there and Georgia quarterbacks this week, although I'm sure in the question section we have a ton of those discussing JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett, what does it look like, where does it go going forward. And so we'll get to that in a few short minutes here. Uh, one last quick little subject here, updating Georgia injury situation. Obviously, the game against Tennessee, it was a little concerning just seeing how quickly some of those guys dropped. And I will circle back to Nolan Smith, who I wrote a story on dognation.com today, and I encourage you guys to check it out. When he went down, you suddenly realize how thin Georgia gets at that outside linebacker position. Obviously, Adam Anderson suspended as he is dealing with rape allegations that he has been accused and arrested of at this point in time. And we obviously have to see how that plays out in the legal system before you can even imagine him coming back to this Georgia football team. If Nolan Smith is not a available and Kirby Smart has said that he is fine. I expect him to be able to play on Saturday. If needed, he has an elbow injury. It did not sound like he dislocated it or had any significant injury there. So that is a big win for Georgia, but you're suddenly looking at Robert Beal, Chaz Chambliss and MJ Sherman and Sherman has been dealing with the flu a little bit is my understanding there. And that's, that's a little scary uh, in terms of what you're able to do from that outside linebacker spot. Now, obviously Channing Tindall steps up and provides some pass rush coverage there for Georgia this past week. Quay Walker, I think you're going to continue to see Georgia use all three of those guys on the field at the same time to try and cover up for the loss of Adam Anderson there. 
uh, Devontae Wyatt. We got to speak to him tonight, which is as clear a sign as you ever get that a player is okay and able to play. Said it was a rib issue that was bothering him. Though it looked like he had a, 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 a little at the end. He's fine. He's going to be able to play. Kendall Milton dealing with an SEL sprain. He is doubtful to play this, but the expectation is that they will be able they're optimistic he will be able to come back for Georgia Tech. George Pickens, sort of the same old, same old with him. He is doing a little bit more than he was last week, but he is still not fully unleashed. Uh, he would say whether or not he was cleared to return yet, but I imagine that hopefully if you're a Georgia fan is coming. Uh, because if it doesn't, uh, I start to wonder when whether or not you're going to see him in the SEC championship game. If the direction on Pickens does not trend more positive, then you still really start to be curious of that. And I would point out as well that Kirby Smart could be totally gamesmanshipping all of this. And George Pickens could be ready to go for the SEC championship game. But that is not a, a based on anything sound or, or structurally or, or hard information that I know. That is just rampant speculation in the way that Kirby Smart has handled injuries in recent seasons. Uh, Dominic Blaylock has unfortunately not been able to practice. And this guy, just poor guy, cannot catch a break. Looks like his hamstring is finally healed up and good enough to go and able to play. He did travel last week, but he has been bit by this flu bug that had been going around this Georgia team and did not really practice Monday or Tuesday. And so you wonder how that impacts his ability to play and suit up on Saturday. Georgia does have two more practices. And I think if he's able to get out there and play in those, you have to feel a little bit better about his chances of seeing the field. However, I do feel comfortable, much more comfortable saying that we're going to see Dominic Blaylock on the field on uh, maybe not this Saturday, but we're going to see him play for Georgia this season. Uh, and certainly more so comfortable saying that as compared to George Pickens. And then Jamari Sawyer, it, it sounds like he is going to be able to play and give it a go this week. He is making progress there. Just did not feel great in warmups there against Tennessee. And I would note there with the offensive line going forward, I think you're going to see Jamari slide back in there at left tackle. I think the him at left tackle is the gives Georgia a better chance of getting to its best possible version of itself. Uh, Warren Erickson was back at practice this week. Uh, he was back at practice today, obviously coming back from the flu injury. But one of the things I'm really interested in seeing this weekend is how much does Xavier trust play? Because I think he was a guy who really unlocked some things for Georgia this week has obviously better size than Warren Erickson does. And, and that physicality is something that this Georgia offensive line, I think has been missing, especially on the interior. There. And that's where like losing a guy like Tate Rattledge at the beginning of the season, I think did have a profound impact on this offensive line coming together because uh, of the guys there on that Georgia offensive line, I think Ratledge had the chance to be the most physical. So that's a quick little update on the Georgia injury situation there. Uh, we talked about playoff rankings and how Georgia is comfortable being the number one team, being the hunted. We talked about Brock Vandergriff and his development. And now we are going to turn it over to you guys and answer any and all questions that you guys have. Uh, so let me see. Questions, thoughts. Uh, Justin says, who plays first? Uh, JT plays first. I think JT is going to play this Saturday. Who starts first? That's a much more interesting question and one I cannot answer at this time. I I, I mean, something Stetson Bennett would either have to get hurt or something, or he would have to play incredibly poor for JT to get out there and start at this point. I think that is pretty clear what Kirby Smart showed against Tennessee this past weekend. Um, let's see comments, questions, thoughts, uh, Jason Glasser, when Kirby talked about the flu bug on Monday, it sounded like they were still dealing with it, but there was the expectation that they would get better as the week went on. Uh, still don't have a ton of specifics as far as who goes where, 
or who is where in terms of recovery. But it sounds like by the time the Charleston Southern game rolls around, they should be in a better spot. But as of Monday, they were still, as Kirby Smart said, dealing with the repercussions about this. Uh, Matt Rukavina, good to see you on here. Usually only on uh, Dog Nation Daily. I mean, the players have said as much that this is Stetson's team. And Nolan Smith came out and said as much after Florida. I think there's a real belief in Stetson. I think this team values that he has been out there at every practice, been playing, been going through this program. And they and there's a real belief in Stetson and his ability to go out there and get it done. And so I think because of that, that that's sort of where that idea comes from. So uh, let's see. Questions... Yeah, uh, Stetson Bennett is the starter for this team. So, um, Room for AR-15, that's a funny comment. I, I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to end up here. But boy, oh boy, would that be tough for Dan Mullen. You would hate, hate to see that for him. Uh, I do see some Matt Landers love. He's been playing pretty well for Toledo. So good for him for finding a spot up there in the MAC and, and being able to contribute there. Uh, let's see. Questions, thoughts, comments. Let's scroll down, see where we are at. Uh, yeah, Chris Slim White. This is, I, this is a point I think a lot of people are missing. JT has never been fully healthy for a season that he has been in college football. Freshman year at USC suffers a concussion. Obviously, he unfortunately tears his ACL last year, or tears his ACL in his second year at USC was not healthy to start the season for Georgia last year, and that impacted his ability to get on the field, and which is why you don't see him until Mississippi State. Then first play of the game against Clemson further strains an oblique injury that he had suffered during fall camp, and then, in the, and then has a lat injury flare up in the game against Vanderbilt. Uh, these injuries have all, are, are all different. Part of this is luck, but JT has shown an inability to stay healthy and stay on the field. And that makes it really tough to, to develop continuity with this offense. And I think they know what they have in Stetson. He's shown an ability this season to stay healthy, to avoid the big hits. And I think there's some real value that Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin place on that. Whereas with JT, sure, he might have a higher upside, but you just don't know if he's going to be able to stay on the field to get to that. And I think that's a reality that not everyone is really accepting. Uh, Kevin Green, I, I think we at the very least see two of uh, I, I definitely think we see Daniels and Beck this weekend. Vandergriff will be interesting. Uh, it depends how many reps this Georgia staff wants to give Carson back as we played earlier in the show. Carson has not exactly gotten a ton of reps just because of the way the quarterback situation has shaken out with JT and Stetson working with the ones and twos. And then obviously Brock working on the scout team that makes it tough for Beck to sort of find a way in there. Um, let's see. Questions, comments, thoughts. Um, so Steven, now this is a good question as far as Heisman Trophy voting. So we'll find out the Heisman Trophy finalist the Monday after the college football playoff game. And it is not necessarily a top four or where he ranks. It is how close he is to the winner. And obviously if he wins it, he will obviously be going, but I don't think there's a real expectation that he's going to win the Heisman trophy. But if he's in that, you know, if he meets a certain vote or point threshold, that is going to be what determines his trip to New York. I, I think it's going to be interesting. If you're a fan of JD to NYC, 
you need Kenneth Walker to have a bad game this weekend uh, and probably the next two weekends. Maybe take him out there. Does Kenny Pickett at at at, uh, at Pitt? I think he might be the best bet for a quarterback there. And so you know Bryce Young because I think Willie Anderson is going to eat into Bryce Young a little bit here as we come down the stretch. I think that's going to be interesting. I think the Kobe Dean could possibly eat into what Jordan Davis does uh, as far as I, I think everyone feels comfortable having Jordan Davis in their top five. The question is, is he going to get enough points to get that on? I expect at least one player from this Georgia defense to do so. I hope uh, obviously I think Nicobe Dean would have the best chance of winning it, but I have no issue at all with Jordan Davis being there, being a representative of this Georgia defense, because I think he so clearly embodies what makes this Georgia defense so great. It's not the the stat sheet or, or the eye popping numbers. It is just an incredible football player going out and doing his job and making his life easier for the rest of the teammates. So to answer your question there, Steven, it comes down to, um, it comes down to how close he is to the top of the points. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cisco, does the SEC get two playoff teams in? I very easily could see a scenario where that happens. And if teams keep losing, let's say Oregon loses this weekend, picks up their second loss. Let's say Wisconsin uh, is able to win the Big Ten somehow. And not somehow. I mean, this Wisconsin team is one six straight and playing better football. But whether they play Michigan or Ohio State or Michigan State, I should still point out, uh, I, I think they're going to be underdogs in that game. Uh, could you, you know, I don't think Cincinnati is ultimately going to get in. So I think the thing you're really looking at there, does Oregon lose? Does does Do you have a two-loss Big 12 champion? And Because if you have a two-loss Big 12 champion, you have a two-loss Pac-12 champion. I think that sets it up to where the committee's going to have a decision to make. Do you bring Alabama? Do you bring Cincinnati? Do you bring Notre Dame? Because if you have uh, an undefeated Georgia, or even you know if Georgia and Alabama each have one loss, I think they are both getting in. I think that is, is pretty clearly how this is going to shake out and set up. I think the committee would absolutely take a one loss Georgia over an undefeated Cincinnati at this point in time. So I think there's a very real chance there. Uh, Kirby's visor Blaylock back for the SEC championship game. I do think so. Uh, I, I think if he were not battling the flu this weekend, which is something he really can't control, uh, I think you would see him against Charleston Southern. I was very encouraged to see that he had traveled last week. And while he didn't play in the game against Tennessee, I think that's a positive sign going forward for where he is at from a health standpoint. Let's see. Uh, Jess Anderson, who starts a quarterback next year? Uh, that That's a show I'm going to need a, a, a full 40 minutes to go through. I think it's going to be really interesting. JT and Stetson are both going to have decisions to make in January as far as what they do with their futures. Um, I, I know people have talked up the idea of JT Daniels as an NFL quarterback. Uh, I don't know how you can look at what you have seen this season from him and say that now. He does have more years of eligibility left, and I would expect him to take advantage of that going forward. And so... Again, Georgia, you know, either you can say both come back. I think it'd be surprised to see both JT and Stetson come back. I could see, you know, one of them deciding to come back and one of them choosing to transfer somewhere else. And so I think whoever comes back has that inside edge as a starter. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see Brock Vandergriff make a real push uh, going forward. Or Carson Beck as well. He played pretty well last spring, I would point out. But I, I think getting so easily jumped by Stetson Bennett once fall practice started, I, I, I think – was a little concerning regarding the future of Carson Beck, especially with the fact that it does not sound like he is taking a lot of reps right now. Let's see. Questions, comments, thoughts. Uh, Michael Clayton, I will say this. Um, 
Stetson Bennett right now this season has been Georgia's best quarterback option on a week-to-week basis, which is how Georgia has taken things this season. Obviously, I have said and believe that JT has a higher theoretical ceiling, but I, I, I just can't ignore his inability to stay healthy and how that impacts the continuity of this offense. It's snip, snap, snip, snap with JT and him being available. And while, yes, I think undeniably he has a higher ceiling, you can't guarantee that he's healthy all the time. And I would point out as well, while this Georgia offensive line hasn't given up a ton of sacks this season, I don't feel great confidence with this group that JT's able to stand in there for five, six seconds, go through all his reads and make those throws because uh, this offensive line still leaves me wanting a little bit more from them as far as how they have played this season. I think that's why Stetson Bennett's mobility has been such a big factor this year for them. So let's see. Questions, thoughts? Um, let's see. Right now, neither, uh, Michael, neither JT or no Stetson, in my opinion, has an NFL draft grade. I just don't, I under, you know, Stetson is what Stetson is at this point. He's a very good college quarterback or I will settle for good college quarterback, but his, his pro prospects are pretty limited just given what he's asked to do. And then obviously his size there as well, you know, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are obviously smaller NFL starting quarterbacks, but those guys have significantly better arms and are significantly better decision makers than Stetson Bennett. As far as JT, you have to show an ability to be healthy and stay healthy and play week in and week out. And he has not shown that. And in availability, I believe, is the best ability. And if you can't show you that in college, how can you be expected to do so when you are taking hits from bigger, faster, more physical NFL defensive players? Um, Jeremy Neighbors, who would I like to see Georgia play in the CFP? I would have loved to have seen Georgia play Oklahoma because I think that Oklahoma team is not very good. I think Georgia could have its way with Oregon. I know Oregon wants to play a physical game. And, and the final score of that, you know, a theoretical Georgia-Oregon uh, game may not be, you know, it might be 34-16. It might look a lot like the Kentucky game did, but Georgia is pretty clearly, I think, a better team then Oregon and would have its way that day there. I think Ohio State would be interesting. Obviously, their offense is explosive and capable of really th- putting up a lot of points there. But that defense is so bad that I wonder if Georgia's able to really control the flow and tempo of the game that day and really make things difficult and press that Ohio State offense into where they're having to throw a whole lot and be really predictable. So uh, Oregon is certainly a team... Cincinnati, I think a, a focused, motivated Georgia team would have its way with Cincinnati, obviously. And, and then Alabama, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, this Alabama team is certainly not as great as teams are in the past, but until I see Georgia go out there and do it and, and beat Alabama, there's always going to be a skepticism that I have that this team is able to do so. So uh, with that, I've just got notifications that there is a new Spider-Man trailer, which is my sign that I shall be uh, wrapping this up rather quickly. But we'll do we'll do a few more comments and, and get out of here. Uh, you guys have been really good tonight. Um, let's see. Scrolling down. Yeah, I just answered who I would like to see us play. Probably Oregon is the most realistic at this point in time. And I do think Ohio State, if it wins out, would jump Oregon. Um, and I think there's a very real world where the loser of the SEC championship game goes on and plays Ohio State, or at the very least, the winner of the Big Ten, because I think you could see Michigan climb up in there as well. Let's see. Let's go way down here. 
Um, let's see. And I'm not leaving you for a Spider-Man trailer. I'm coming back next week. I'm here every Tuesday. You guys know that. And you guys have been really good comment-wise here. Uh, let's see. Joey Smiley, I don't know about this point anymore. Uh, saying Jamari Sawyer is, uh, makes the Georgia offensive line better. Because I believe if that were the case, we would have already seen that. I think this Georgia coaching staff likes what it's seen in Broderick Jones as far as his development at left tackle this season, the way that he has played. But the reality is I, I don't think Jamari has played as well as guard as his coaching staff wants him to. And they feel better out there with him at left tackle. And so, you know, that's something where, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, not having Tate Rattledge really stresses, you know, the loss out there. And, and I understand why so many people want to see Jamari at left guard because it does put Broderick out there. And as the Tennessee game showed, Georgia does still have some guard issues. I think that's why you saw Xavier Trust get in there. I think I'm going to have a story on him on Trust tomorrow night. But uh, the Sawyer on, at left guard, I don't think is going to happen this season. So let's see. Uh, RJ Reigns uh, saying... Georgia can win it all with an above-average passing game. I think what you've seen from Georgia this year has been an above-average passing game. At least it would qualify that in my book. They've hit on explosive plays in recent weeks. As this receiver group gets better, they're doing things and moving the ball downfield and taking shots and moving the ball through the air when they want to. You think of that two-minute drive there against Tennessee to end the half or opening the second half there against Missouri. Sure, it doesn't look as pretty as Ohio State's does, but it is the, I think this passing game this year, especially when you factor in all the injuries they've dealt with, has shown that they're an above-average unit. And go watch Ohio State's defense. You know that does not have a, a pass defense or a defense as a whole that scares me. Alabama's defense has been has been very suspect. You know, especially you look at how Zach Calzada has played since that Alabama game. He was outrageous in that game for for Texas A&M. So I, I think Stetson Bennett could definitely have a capable day there against Alabama in that secondary. Uh, so let's see. Let's get one more question and then head on out. Uh, let's see. Kevin Green, I would agree. Van Praan has been, has been very good at center for Georgia this year and is going to be a mainstay there going forward for the Bulldogs. And I think he's one of those guys that sometimes, you know, you have questions about guys and obviously Cedric was a highly touted recruit, but he was not sort of making the waves in practice that I think a lot of people expected to. But once he got those reps and got adjusted to the speed of the game, he has gotten better every single week. You saw the viral block he had this week. Uh, against Tennessee. He is someone who has gotten better with the more and more playing time he sees on the field. And, and, you know, as much as Kirby Smart wants guys to be great practice players because that's how you really build trust, some of these guys are just better when you just throw them in there in the game and they're able to match that intensity. And so I think Cedric Von Prahn Granger is definitely an example of that. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably end on this. Uh, I won't use Gumps, but... Uh, Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC championship game, I think would do worlds for this program. And, and sure, you can point out that this Alabama team isn't as good as some of the past teams. doesn't matter to me. If you beat Alabama, a lot of the questions that exist about Georgia, about Kirby Smart, just disappear. And yes, they still obviously have to win the national championship to fully conquer all those demons. But taking down Alabama, taking them down in the SEC championship game in Atlanta, a place where... Now, Georgia has won twice in Mercedes-Benz. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, they beat Auburn in the SEC Championship game in 2017. They beat Cincinnati there to, to end last season. But more often than, than not, that building, especially with Alabama, has some horrors associated with it. And so I do probably agree there that uh, beating Alabama in the SEC Championship game would go a long way for the development of this Georgia football program. So that's going to do it for us here tonight. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, hopefully we can bring this energy every week. 
we will be back the next two weeks. Obviously, Georgia plays Charleston Southern this weekend. I don't expect that to be much of a game. We'll still learn some stuff. We'll see some young guys and, and, and get them a chance to really develop and be impressed with what we see from then. Uh, they play Georgia Tech next week, and I'm going to obviously have some interesting things to say about them. Uh, while not everyone agrees with this, Georgia Tech is a game that I believe belongs on the schedule. I believe they should keep playing them. I like that they play them at the end of the season. Uh, and so we will touch on that. And then obviously do more on, you know, where Georgia stands from, from a national standpoint, college football playoff, potential SEC championship game opponent against Alabama. And maybe this time next week, we know for a fact that it is Georgia Alabama in the SEC championship game. So thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, one last thing, uh, one of the commenters here brings this up. Uh, James Cook was fantastic on Saturday. And I think he's someone who you're going to see is ha- going to have a very big impact in that SEC championship game. So Wanted to shout that out there right now. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You have Justin Tell with Before the Hedges tomorrow night. We have Cover 4 on Thursday. Brandon and Adams every Monday through Friday with Dog Nation Daily starting at 945 with First and 15. And then Mike Griffith on the beat. Georgia, Charleston Southern, Saturday noon. I can't hype this up any more than I have. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Connor and Coverage. <laughs>